Hey there, we're the West Slot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports, with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above, as we give no quarter, especially to fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskaspo. Well guys, uh, second episode of the week. Um, we've got a, an, an interesting one here tonight, uh, something a little bit out of the ordinary. Uh, but we had the chance to catch up with uh, Paul Haletko, um, the founder of Few Spirits in Evanston, and uh, got a chance to, to talk to him for a little bit. And uh, really, really interesting stuff. And, you know, we're psyched to have him on. This one is, it's just so great. I mean, part of me almost wants to say like 420, 426 for you, 427 for Scuzz, Sam, and everyone else who loves whiskey and having a good time and tailgating and everything. But then that kind of ropes you all back in again. Um, it's just, part of me feels this way just because I just think it's so cool that you two whiskey mavens got to talk whiskey with the the runner of Evanston's first distillery um for so much and Paul was uh an an amazing interview let's just put it that way <laughs> without further ado let's get get to our interview just a heads up uh we get a little salty in there so uh maybe pop your headphones on for this one yeah yeah not this one's not for the kids folks well we are very excited to be joined tonight by Paul Haletko the founder of Few Spirits up in Evanston. Um, Paul, thanks so much for jumping on with us tonight. We right. definitely have some a, a lot to talk about. I think. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, excited to be on. Uh, excited to be on board and uh, uh, go Cats. Yeah. Um, just you know, to start with, I, I you know, Few it was the first distillery in Evanston, a town famously known as the founders of Prohibition. Um, I know I. I I believe that the name actually stems from as a homage to uh, to some of the founders of Prohibition. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, so Few is actually the first alcohol ever in Evanston. All the breweries uh, opened up, uh, you know, after us. Um, so I'm I'm the guy that killed Prohibition dead in its birthday. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there's uh, you know the name Few really just means that we don't make a whole lot. Uh, but certainly in Evanston, there's an awful lot of people that uh, are very acquainted with Frances Elizabeth Willard and her legacy. And uh, <laughs> uh, many people notice, you know, many people notice the similarity of Frances Elizabeth Willard's uh, initials and compare that to our name and are very surprised when I uh, insist most vehemently that it's a sheer and total coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> is your lawyer standing right next to you while you're in sister Matt? It's a it's a sheer and total coincidence, and I've never said anything different. <laughs> uh, so why why did you get started doing uh, doing spirits? I mean, what what was your background that you were able to to start a, a spirits company? Um, kind of the background is just I like I like to make stuff, and I like to create, and I like to be, I like to make art. And I've spent a lot of my life trying to do that. Uh, I used to be a pro guitar player. I used to build uh, custom guitar effects pedals. Uh, I made beer at home for 20 years. Um, I like to make it. I like to create. And then several years ago, my grandfather died, which you know unfortunately happens to uh, most of us. Uh, but it really hit me hard because prior to World War II, uh, his family had owned what is now a major brewery in the Czech Republic. And um, certainly I would assume most Northwestern grads know uh, about what happened in 1939. But uh, you know, if not, uh, World War II started and uh, the Nazis invaded Germany, uh, stole the brewery from you know, my family and murdered the entire family in the camps with the exception of my grandfather. Oh, wow. Uh, and then... You know, after the war, my grandpa spent the rest of his life trying to get it back. And then when he died, it kind of struck me that this legacy and history and, you know, what my family had done before was you know, all gone forever if I don't do something about it. And I didn't want that to happen. So, you know, few is, you know, few is kind of an attempt to rebuild this family legacy and, you know, get back in touch with what the family used to do and who we used to be and 
to do that in a way that is positive and creative and is not just raising a fist to the sky, but starting over and building something that is ours and we can be proud of. Um, and I'm pretty sure, uh, I'm pretty sure someday my grandpa will look up and go, Hey, I'm pretty proud of that guy. Um, but, uh, we'll see. Um, you, know, you never know. But uh, in the meantime, uh, you know, we're doing our best to, we're doing our best to make the best whiskey we can right here in Evanston. So I'm I'm curious in in the the desire to fulfill this quest, you sort of added an extra layer of difficulty choosing Evanston as the place <laughs> to do this. Um, and I mean, like that's you know one of the things that I think Northwestern, you know, anyone who went to Northwestern or um, you know, I I assume it's improved since we were in in college, but <laughs> dramatic. But, so John, dramatic. Yeah, I was gonna say, but it's like our experience was like Evanston. You know, not not the the greatest you know thing place <laughs> to work with, to coordinate with, um, et cetera. And then you have all this history laid on top of it. Um, and of course, again, like we don't, we're not really too familiar with the ins and outs of it. But I mean, like, what additional hurdles you mentioned before? You know, killing killing prohibition, so to speak, um, in Evanston. Um, what was that road? What were the hurdles you had to jump over to make this happen? Well, I, mean, I think there's a lot of hurdles and, you know, basically what I was living here in Evanston at the time I was working in downtown Evanston and I had this idea and basically once I committed to it and decided that I was going to open a distillery, uh, one of the first things you have to answer is where. And so really what I did is actually drove, I actually rode about a six hour drive radius around Evanston and tried to figure out where in that six hour radius I was going to put it. Uh, it didn't occur to me to put it here in Evanston because I'm like, oh, it's the birthplace of Prohibition. It's dry. It'll never happen. Um, but, at, you know, throughout everywhere I went in that six-hour radius, which, you know, obviously we all know six hours is, A, a long time and covers a pretty big distance. I mean, it doesn't go all the way to Minneapolis, but pretty close. It goes all the way to the northern suburbs of Detroit. Um, you know, it goes well past Louisville. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big area to work in, but none of it made sense to me because I lived here in Evanston. I'm like, if I'm going to do this business, I should, it should be a part of my community. And, you know, I've been working here. I knew people. Uh, my kids were going to school here. I was coaching T-ball. I was coaching AYSO. Um, you know, I was a vice president of the PTA at the elementary school. Like, why am I going to? Why would I want to change that? And so I'm like, well, let's try it in Evanston. And basically what I did is just went to, I got super lucky, uh, but I went to the economic development department at the city and just kind of said, hey, all right, here's what I want to do. Do me a favor and tell me no, that I can't do it here so I can go somewhere else. <laughs> um, if you say yes, I'll be very angry if you if it ends up being no. But if you say no, I'll shake your hand and I'll walk away. And we got really lucky because, you know, by no fault of my own, uh, we had a brand new mayor in Evanston. Uh, we had a brand new uh, president at Northwestern. We had a brand new city council. And we had a brand new economic development department. And so you had a new mayor that was somewhat less business unfriendly than the previous mayor. He had a brand new president at Northwestern looking to improve town down relations. He had brand new economic development people that were not jaded yet and were willing, you know, could look at an idea and not just see all the work, but see the benefit. And they said, yes. I'm like, you sure? You sure? Again, I won't be angry if you say no. I'm actually telling you to tell me no. Um, and then we started on was about a year, year and a half of work uh, where we had to change almost every city law. Wow. Uh, liquor laws, zoning laws, health and safety law, fire safety, um, liquor retail. Uh, you name it, it had to get changed. And I lost track of city hearings after about 15 of them. 
which is, you know, a lot, you know, when you're <laughs> trying to start a business, uh, it's 15 meetings is you figure an hour and a half per meeting, hour there, hour back. I mean, it's, you know, three, four hours. Um, so that's a lot of time. Uh, but, you know, despite all of those meetings, I never once had a single vote go against me. It was always five zero, seven zero, nine zero. Um, with the only real comments being, okay, 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 and you, you got me, but really, a distillery in Evanston? <laughs> <laughs> really, that's so cool. You got to tell me more. It's um, it's it's funny because I'm I'm sure that it it helped that you were an Evanstonian at the time, right? Like, like I, yep. I, I can imagine if somebody had, had parachuted in from outside and was trying to convince people of this, like it wouldn't, would not have gone anywhere. Um, so that's, I, it's just an interesting wrinkle listening to you two talk about it. Yeah. It's, you know, I was, I was, uh, on the, as a director of the uh, chamber of commerce at the time. I mean, yes. I mean, people knew me, people knew who I was and, you know, I had a couple of, you know, there were a couple of conversations I had, like one of them with the uh, liquor board. Um, and the big objection there was uh, the guy on the board was like, all right, you know, I, I like whiskey, but I got to ask you this. Are you going to make good whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we're going to make the good whiskey. And he's like, good. I like good whiskey. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's incredible. Um, and so that was, you know, so that was that was just a really funny exchange. And then uh, the other one that just drove me up the wall was this guy who was theoretically my friend, uh, and uh, he was going to deny me a change in the zoning law. Uh, not that, not to allow me to have the zoning I needed, but to change the law to allow a zoning variance for the kind that I needed. So you know, it wasn't even anything related to anything, uh, but he was going to reject that because of the ADA, and I couldn't tell him what kind of acting room door, so that in case somebody who had, didn't have hands wanted to come in, uh, that they could come in. And I was like, "That's not a zoning issue. That's a certificate of occupancy issue." Uh, I I don't have the door handle on me, um, but you know he ended up voting for it anyways. <laughs> I I would think anyone who didn't have hands needs to be able to get into a few distillery more than anybody else. That seems that seems only deserved. Um, oh sure, and, you know I'm all and I'm all for it, and certainly anybody without hands can get in. And I'm not trying to uh, downplay the the challenges for people without hands. Uh, I just don't think it's a zoning issue. I think it's a certificate of occupancy issue that you know can be addressed then rather than that really. It's just amazing that there are that many uh just that many additional things just to have to deal with to affect to effectively pave the way for right. I mean I, we were talking about you have there's a distillery but now there are a couple breweries and and in Evanston and you were the first and Lord knows, you know, when we were there, there was nothing of the kind. Um, the, it's, hey, you had the keg. We were laughing about this. Oh God. I, it's, it's all these moments. I mean, Scuzz and I worked at Norris university center when we were at Northwestern. And that's an example of a place, you know, our student union that every time you go yep. back, uh, it it has like five new TVs or whatever, and I, I, we always think, you know, we thought it was great when we were there, et cetera. But the keg would be another example where it was like, you know, I remember when when um uh what was it Prairie Moon came in, and that yep. was while we were in school, and that was a huge deal. That was a huge deal, yeah. Because up until then, it was basically like the keg, and right. I mean, it's just. So club 18, was it Club eighteen sixty or eighteen hundred? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's not sell Tommy Nevins short. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, well, I will say like with when Tommy Nevins closed, what was that like five years ago or so? Yeah, um, years ago. That was a really like I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I would say it was emotional, but like us and all of our friends were like, oh my god, Nevins is closing. And I think for anyone who had who had you know moved to Evanston in the last seven years, it was like, well. I mean, whatever, like we've got seven other places to go and we're thinking this was the only place we wanted to go. No, it was, people were really upset. Um, but it was really, I, as somebody that lives here, I just always like, you know, the, 
know, the rending of the clothes, the gnashing of the teeth, but nobody was ever there either. Um, it was a Tuesday night, it was an undergrad night there, and Wednesday was MBAs, but outside of that, nobody ever went. Um, which, is, which is always just funny. Now it's this really nice condo building. It's, you know, obviously it's gone. Uh, the moon is moved. I, I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, the moon is where Dave's Italian kitchen used to be. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, the keg is now bangers and lace, which is fucking killer and an amazing place to drink uh, before and after games. Yeah, bangers and lace is phenomenal. That like, Big, big fan of what they've been doing. Yeah, and it's... You know, as a guy that was, yeah, I'm not going to say I was at the keg very often because, you know, I wasn't. Um, <laughs> just, I just was never convicted of that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, thirsty Thursday. I mean, how could you say <laughs> that? Uh, yeah. No one's throwing stones at anybody, is my understanding. But Pangers uh, is awesome. <laughs> so, great so, food, great drinks. Um, <laughs> we love Bangers. So I, I was going to say, you know, we. We're we're going to we're going to have to get there only because I know I'm flanked here, Sam and Scuzz, by these are first rate whiskey men, and they've I mean the two of them have been I mean the what we call the Westlot Pirates tailgate um, has been going for years and years and years and years and years. I mean really what it's like two decades now basically. I mean going back to when we were in school and just after and. Between Scuzz and Sam and um, our friend Dan now uh, have all been running it at various times, and it's it's a real thing. It's it's something where you know th- these guys all take real pride in what they put up and the offerings at the tailgate. And I mean, like these are big beer men. But I've always kind of wondered in in the back of my head with Sam and Scuzz, I'm like, you know, like there there ought to be more whiskey here because you guys are whiskey guys uh, like <laughs> sam like the the amount of time like that post pods where i'll just be listening to these two guys talk about what they're drinking at that moment and i just kind of nod and i'm like okay like i i understand this a little bit i'm trying to learn as i listen here um but i mean i'm looking i you know i'm looking at you know the the few spirits the spirits that you offer and i'm just waiting because i'm like i just want to hear my two fellow boys on this podcast nerd out about whiskey (laughs) and gin and i I like i i want like i just want to learn i want all of you to collectively teach me something right now well welcome to welcome to the party pal yeah um whiskey's awesome whiskey's delicious and uh um you know, as a, I graduated uh, college a little bit before you gentlemen, but uh, I tell you, whiskey just whiskey tastes better and better the older you get. I'll tell you that much. How did you settle on the the spirits that you wanted to make? I mean, I there I six if I'm counting correctly, right? How did like how did you end up with those choices, and you know how did it how did it come about? Where did you start? What was the first thing you started with? Well, we started making uh, whiskey. Um, and a couple of reasons for that. Uh, but the primary reason why we make whiskey is cause, um, you know, I really like whiskey. Um, it's not really a complex thing. I, I like it. Um, and from there it just kind of spirals out. And so we make whiskey, we make a lot, we used to make a lot of gin today. We don't make as much. Um, although strictly speaking, we're today, we're making way more gin, uh, than we ever used to. Uh, but we're making way more whiskey. Um, and so it all kind of ties together with creativity as well as accessibility. Um, so, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm curious because I think about, I, I think about, um, booze and food and beer all kind of similarly, almost from like, um, I guess I just, you know, my guilty pleasure is some of the, some of the cooking shows that are out there. I'm, I'm curious, like when you when you go into this, like, are you do you have um, inspiration that you're drawing from your favorite spirits uh, before you start your own distillery? Like, like, what is that? What does that look like on day one in terms of like the, the, the taste profile or the ingredients or like like what's the first decision you had to make? <laughs> uh, first, you decide what to make, then you decide how to make it. Um, and. You know, the how is probably a hard part, but it's also the fun part. 
you know, that's, you know, that I, you know, coming up with a picture of what you want it to taste like and then making it taste that way, you know, that's the fun part. And so a uh, little inside baseball story is when you were, you know, starting up and working on everything, I actually went over to uh, uh, Evanston first as well as uh, Benny's and basically bought every bottle of bourbon that I could find. Uh, ended up being around 50 bottles of bourbon. Wow. And this is market research I would like to take part in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I brought all my, you know, brought all the bottles home, grabbed the notebook, uh, and just sat down. Um, but as a, uh, as a pro tip to uh, all you husbands out there or all you boyfriends, <laughs> or really, you know, you know, wives and girlfriends too, uh, do not let your spouse come home to find you uh, with, with 50 bottles of bourbon on your dining room table. <laughs> uh, it doesn't go well, especially if you've had uh, samples of a large number of those. I was going to say, I'm, I'm envisioning something like The Shining, where you're like, no, I've been taking a lot of notes. And then she looks at your notebook and it just kind of <laughs> turned into like a single line as you got I, I have a quasi tangent, so like. All whiskey and no rum makes Paul a dull boy. Yeah. <laughs> I have a quasi tangential family story to, like that. This just reminds me of so my 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 grand my my dad's side of the family is Danish, and my grandfather always spent a lot of time in Denmark. And uh, I have some family in New Zealand. My cousin was taking a gap year after high school, spent that summer or year in in Denmark, and he was living with my with my grandparents. And uh, one afternoon, my grandfather's like. Costin, do you, you know, do you like whiskey uh, or, or, or which whiskey do you, would you like? What, what's your favorite whiskey? And he goes, well, I, I, I don't know. I haven't really, I haven't really tried it before. So my grandfather opens the closet. It's just a closet full of whiskey. And he says, well, sit down. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> Buckle up, buckaroo. <laughs> like, like, sign me up. Sign me up. I think so. Just like I've been through, I don't know. I like, my introduction to whiskey was probably Jack Daniels in college, but then um, yep. shortly after school, in in what was the mid aughts, um, and Sam, you were part of this as well. We got oh, yeah. we got swept into the um, the promotional world that was Chivas tastings in Chicago. <laughs> yep, and, I remember those. Yeah, there was a dude in a kilt who was very loud. Um, he brought like Brazilian dancers to some of the things, and you got free whiskey, like a lot of free whiskey, and and that was the entry point for me. I, since then I've been, you know, we've been through a scotch phase, uh, a, a rye phase, a bourbon phase. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio now, which is, um, you know, just a, a hop, skip and a jump from, from deep, deep bourbon country. But, um, yep. it's, uh, it is fun. And, and, and like when you, when you, when I hear you say like, Oh man, I really love it. Like I love whiskey. I want to make whiskey. Um, it, it's, it, there's, there's something very American about it too. Right. It's, 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 it's kind of like our national, national spirit um as it were yeah whiskey's fucking delicious um and it's fun and you don't need to drink a lot of it and you really shouldn't drink a lot of it you just drink you just drink a few um but uh <laughs> it's it, it brings people together and i think that's really magic um you know i tell a story a lot of uh, a few years back i was over in london and um, we had just launched maybe you know, two months before, three months before over in London. And it was going good and we were excited. And you know, I hadn't been overseas in, geez, 30 years at the time, maybe 20 years at the time. And I'm, you know, I'm in London. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And this, you know, this guy is now a friend of mine, pulls me aside. He's like, you know, I got to tell you the story. And I'm like, OK, cool, cool, cool. Um, of course, again, you know this amazing uh, English accent, which I'm just like, oh, tell me more. Um, like, yeah, you know, 30 years ago, my father and I had a falling out, and uh, I haven't spoken, I hadn't spoken to my father in 30 years. And then two weeks ago, I got a, I had a taste of your rye, and for whatever reason, I decided that my dad would like it, so I called him up. And last weekend, I jumped on the train. I went and saw my dad for the first time in 30 years, and I owe that to you. Wow! Wow! That's and wild. That's amazing. A, you don't owe anything to me. It's I owe something to you. 
but uh, that's amazing. That's that's what whiskey is. And yeah, it's yeah, we all like drinking it. We like to party. We like to have a good time. But uh, you know, being in the middle of the whiskey world, I think you really get to see and appreciate what whiskey can do because it really does it does bring people together and you know all the stories that uh you know either boys or girls will tell me about uh you know they spent a night with a bottle of our whiskey and you know nine months later they had a kid (laughs) (laughs) um you know it's nice to be a part of that it's at least you know tangentially or at least spiritually i guess i don't know um but uh what kind of business you know, what kind of business is out there that you get to be a part of making that much love? Cause that's awesome. So I got to ask, uh, how do you come up with, you know, new variations? I mean, you, you start with a bourbon and, and a rye and then I, I know a few years ago you came out with the single malt whiskey, which is phenomenal. I, I think I was in when, like when you first dropped the, the single malt, I was in for a bottle and nice. I, I made that thing last as long as I possibly could. So good. Um, but how do you co- how do you decide what variants to do and what sort of tweaks you're going to have? And what sort of specialty items or specialty you know, strains you're going to go? Uh, I wish I could give you an answer. Um, I don't know. Just you, you, we end up with having these ideas and then we chase them. And sometimes the ideas are good ones. And sometimes they're not so good. And so, you know, the ones that aren't so good, you know, we, you, you'll never, ever see those. Um, the ones that are good will either figure out how to make them better or you'll just never see it. And then every now and then we get one that's a really good idea and it works out really well. And it's something that we think people would actually really want. And every, you know, when we find those, that's what we end up releasing. Um, so I mean, you can come to the distillery and if, uh, if you catch me in a good mood or you get me on a good day, uh, we can open up a box of all the experimentals. And we've got, I don't know, I'll bet you at this point we've got 70, 80, 100 different experimental whiskeys that are in various stages. Um, and sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're weird. Sometimes they're wacky. Sometimes they're terrible. Sometimes they're undrinkable. Um, but it all starts off with this. I think it would be really fun to make this. And whatever this is, we go ahead and then make it. And you know, we've had good ideas. We've had bad ideas. We've had neutral ideas. Uh, we've had good ideas that turn out uh, awful. Uh, like one of the worst things I've ever made was one of the best ideas I've ever had, but it just was awful and undrinkable. Um, whereas like sometimes the bad ideas we have, as long as it's fun enough, we'll try it. And we've had really good stuff come out of that. Um, can we, can we talk about anguish and regret? <laughs> Speaking of bad ideas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for the, for those who don't know, um, and Sam, you're going to have to have to keep me honest on this because because I'm 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 not as familiar with it. But but you know this this actually comes up quite a lot in the Northwestern community, and that's Malort, um, <laughs> Chicago uh, asparagus liqueur of noted. Is it asparagus though, or noted infamy? I don't know. Um, and I guess you guys you guys have a have a uh, a variety of few that is that is similar. In, in flavor profile, am I right on this? Yeah, I mean, so obviously Malort is, a, you know, as we all know, Malort's a huge fucking deal here in Chicagoland. Um, and anybody who doesn't know what Malort is, uh, Malort is basically what you drink when you decide uh, that it's time to fight your dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, well said. Malort is what you drink when you finally realize that no matter how hard you try, your pants are not going to shit themselves. <laughs> you are going to have to actually shit your pants. Um, if you want to fill them with feces, you're going to have to shit them yourselves. They're not going to shit. They're, they're not. They will not shit themselves. I've tried. We all have. Um, and so that's what Malord is. And it's basically, it's supposed to be like just a, you know, nobody wants to drink it, but they do. And so, but it's a huge Chicago thing. And so then several years ago, uh, my God, it's a Chicago thing. We're a Chicago distillery. Let's make one. 
And so the kind of vision we had for it, um, and we wanted to be, you know, we wanted, we were very dedicated to this concept of truth and advertising, which is why we named it anguish and regret. <laughs> um, <laughs> we wanted you to know exactly what you were going to feel the second you tried it. And kind of the flavor profile we were looking for is a little bit of a, uh, like a diarrhea diaper right outside like an Indian restaurant that's been sitting there for a good like five, six days with like a buck 10, buck 10 heat in the shade. Um, you know, pref- maybe you've got a couple of used condoms kind of rotting on top oh of it. Oh my God. Um, you know, we're just really looking for that really nice pungent vegetal smell. And, um, so that's what we did. Uh, we went out and we kind of replicated that, uh, that, you know, that really, uh, diarrhea full diaper uh, concept and uh, we ran with that and it worked out really nice it was delicious um, and really fun uh, then our friends over at uh, Jepson's Malort uh, they don't play very well in sandboxes and so we originally only intended just do 150 bottles of it just because it was going to be fun um, you know I never really wanted to be in the Malort business uh, but then they sent us a fuck you letter and threatened to sue us. So I'm like, eh, now you made me angry. And so uh, instead of making 150 bottles, I think we ended up doing 40 or 50,000. Uh, we released it in 15 different states, three countries. Um, and we had our fun. Uh, but uh, we did have to, we eventually did 86 just because I got tired of making it. Um <laughs> And, you know, we're not really in the Malort business. It was just, you know, you can't threaten to sue me. That doesn't make me happy. <laughs> I don't um, know, though. Did you really expect, like, this classy, nice response from the people who unleash <laughs> Malort on the world? It seems pretty on brand to me. <laughs> These are not people used to treating other people well. This is, like, that's kind of their brand. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but, no, it was, we had our fun. We had a good time. And it's funny. People love. People loved it. But people love talking about it. They don't love buying it so much. Oh, man, that's wild. So I'm, I'm curious to get, um, I guess, a little practical on, on behalf of our listeners. And so we, well, obviously, John talked about our tailgate earlier. Um, we've we over the years, we've tried to be pretty unique and creative with our tailgate. One time, Sam did make bacon wrapped scallops um, at a tailgate in a parking lot at a football stadium. It was really impressive. I think that was a couple weeks after we tried to do Saganaki, but couldn't get the uh, <laughs> couldn't get the pan hot enough. Yep. Mm, yep. We've done deep fried turkey. We've done some smoked brisket. We've done, we've done a whole lot of stuff. But I'm curious. Um, so you guys have a tasting room. I, it, it doesn't look like you serve food there, but I'm curious your recommendations on how to best pair food with your whiskeys. Well, I think there's there's two basic thresholds. There's two basic approaches I have to pairing whiskeys and foods uh, and one of them is similar to similar and the other one's different um so if you're you know if you're doing something that's a little richer heavier i'd go something browner uh if you're going something that's a little bit lighter softer uh i'd go something a little more clear so briskets uh you're definitely you're definitely digging into whiskey territory there uh big heavy meat uh, especially smoke. I don't want, I want some whiskey for smoke, uh, for sure there. Uh, if you're going something a little more lighter, say you're playing around with your scallops or, you know, something a little bit more salady, um, you know, you might be looking at a little bit of gin there, uh, maybe even a little bit of rum, depending on how you're rolling. Um, you know, I think you could pair, I think you could pair off, especially in the parking lot very, very well. And, I think partially that's the joy of uh, spirits. And certainly I would never advise anybody to do this because that would be wrong. I would definitely do not do this at home. Uh, but I have noticed that a six ounce flask of spirits uh, slides real nice into a back pocket <laughs> uh, in a way that a six pack of beer just simply does not. Um, you know, it just, it, it doesn't work. Uh, so uh yeah, that's you know a little bit of a pro tip is uh, you know, six ounce flask will last you, uh, you know, an awful lot, an awful large fraction of a game. It's uh, yeah, the, it's it's impressive too. I you know we we sort of talked a little bit about this 
ahead of time. In addition to the pairings, I'm I would be kind of curious if you have like a go to. I don't know, like a, you know, a tailgating cocktail, a go-to. I mean, again, some people just go, they want to pair, they want to drink their whiskey straight at the game, et cetera. Um, do you find though that, you know, that there's a certain cocktail that's become popular or that you steer people toward? Or you're like, oh, you know, what you ought to try is this. This is the thing that you're not thinking about doing that you ought to be doing that'll give you a great time at the game. I uh, see. I'm, I'm very much a simple man. And so I'm typically going to go. If I'm tailgating, I'm looking at doing beer, uh, beer and whiskey shots. Um, I'll be bringing a flask in with me. Uh, of course, I would never do that. Uh, but if I were to do something like that, I'd bring a flask in with me. Uh, and, you know, beer and whiskey or even like a simple cocktail, but boozy as hell on the cocktails. <laughs> um, I'm not looking for, you know, I don't want a rum and Coke. I don't want Jack and Coke. I want whiskey Coke. I don't want a mule. Uh, Manhattan, old fashioned, uh, Boulevard DA. If you're really feeling, uh, you know, if you're feeling a little, uh, a little heavier, a little more bitter that day, a Boulevard DA could go fantastic during a game. Um, but, uh, you know, when I'm stripping it down and trying to, trying to take it down to the roots, like at a tailgate, uh, I'm going simple, uh, whiskey, beer. Um, obviously everybody loves them. Some, uh, Bloody Marys, especially on a, you know, if you got a noon kickoff or something, that Bloody Mary, yeah, you're you're gonna be pretty happy there for sure. Yeah, we, um, we definitely get a, a a lot of Bloody Marys because we have a lot of those 11 a.m. starts, so the tailgates yep. begin at 7 a.m. So, so your um, Mary, your Bloody Marys, your Snappers, um, but uh, don't be afraid to switch it up too. Like, obviously, everybody wants a Bloody Mary, but drop in some mezcal in there. Um, Put some whiskey in there. Use use gin instead of vodka. Uh, you can you can do a Bloody Mary, and you can do it in a way that really changes it up and gives you that extra little uh, that extra little snap that makes it you know that's going to make you kind of sit up and go, Ooh, I, that's goddamn delicious. I wasn't ready for that. Because this is such an obvious pivot to something I've been curious about. What is the the breakfast gin? What is the what is the characteristic there? Like, why breakfast? Well, why not? I mean, everybody thinks <laughs> you can. Only, I know everybody says you can only drink gin at breakfast, but that's just simply not true. <laughs> you can drink gin any time of day, and so you know we're talking about you know create. You know, how do you come up with ideas? Uh, breakfast gin actually started as a joke, and a friend of mine put up on Facebook that he was tired of people referring to. Uh, various whiskeys as being breakfast whiskey uh, because of cereal flavors. I'm like, oh, I can't call it breakfast whiskey? How about breakfast gin, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a second. What's breakfast gin? <laughs> what is that about? What is, what's going on with that? And so we kind of spitballed that that concept of what is a breakfast gin around and ended up uh, doing a whole bunch of tea experiments and really liked the way that the gin tasted uh, when we used Earl Grey tea. Huh. And so that is what made the breakfast gin. And you now we now own the name breakfast gin. We're the only breakfast gin on the market. We're going to remain the only breakfast gin on the market. Uh, but what makes it a breakfast gin, at least to us, is that Earl Grey tea. Uh, and so the breakfast gin is soft, it's light, it's approachable. It is the perfect gin for drinking with your waffles or uh, at your 7 a.m. tailgate. Um, but you really can drink it any time because it is full flavored and it's got some really nice herbal notes and it's not super dry. It's not super astringent. It's very approachable and friendly and it's easy drinking. Um, there's actually a group of scientists uh, came out with a study I think it was two years ago, and uh, obviously in 2020, I don't know your guys' views on science, whether it exists or not, but uh, it doesn't really matter. It's just a group of scientists came out with this theory, and they claim to have proven that you cannot drink all day unless you start early. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Right. It's it's science. I'm not trying to say that they're right or wrong. You, know, it's, you can just believe in science if you want. I'm not judging you. I mean, I am, but secretly. Um, and so that's kind of where the breakfast drink comes in, because if you are going to drink all day, that doesn't mean you're going to start early. 
and you might as well be able to ease your way into it with a nice, easy approach. I I had several. This is this is a, this is a Northwestern specific thing, but I, <laughs> I I had several Dillo Day experiences where I steeped myself in that kind of scientific rationale when I started my day. <laughs> The science all kind of went sideways sometime <laughs> around the early afternoon. Um, it, then, it, it didn't end the way the scientists told me that it would. Let's put it that way. Um, and, it's, and somewhere near Barstow, the drugs took hold, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny. I happen to look um, – Binny's where I get all of my alcohol um, – has – a classically hilarious review that a customer put of your gin. It's four out of five stars. And this is classic. This should be on Amazon because this is such a classic Amazon review. It's four out of five stars. The person basically says, the gin is delicious, but I don't know where the breakfast comes from. And I'm like, <laughs> did you think it was going to taste like bacon? Like what, what did you have in your head when you did this? And basically like, I loved it. It was delicious, but four out of five stars because it's called breakfast gin. And I was like, well, that's just great. It's people can't handle nice things. <laughs> um, and it's always funny. Like, the, the stuff you read online that people comment, you're like, really? Why would you take the time out of your life to write that? Like, what is wrong with you that you decided to write that? Okay, whatever. You don't like the product, that's great. You know, whatever. I'm not gonna. I don't get upset when people don't like my shit. I just, I sit and wonder, like, what's wrong with you that you took time out of your life to write that? Well, this that is sucks. like. Well, this is what's funny. What's funny about this is this is a really positive review. Like the person liked the product and was like, but I, I was expecting bacon, eggs, and maple syrup. Did not deliver. Four that and the gin just sounds awful. Yeah, we had um, we were in a competition once, and the judge we got the judges' notes, and so as they were grading the spirits on you know ten point scale or twenty point scale doesn't matter, call it a ten point scale, and judge one writes down, this is one of the greatest things I've ever had. This is perfect. It's got no flaws. It tastes amazing. Six out of ten. <laughs> and like, wait, what? Like, that doesn't make sense. And then the next review was, "This is disgusting. It's full of flaws. Um, terrible. Whoever did this needs their palate examined." Nine out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what the what the actual fuck? Which one is it? Is it the worst ever at a nine, or is it best ever at a six? I don't know. What so, people, fucking people. <laughs> Seriously, right? Um, so look, looking at your website, you know, you you're highlighting six different uh drinks, three whiskeys, three gins. What else do you have kind of going right now? I, I know you're um you've you've been doing some sanitizer stuff with the with the pandemic going on right now. Uh can mm-hmm. you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, we're not really doing a lot of sanitizer um just because we don't really know how to make sanitizer. Um, we're working with a company that does. And so we made ethanol and gave the ethanol to them. And nice. they're actually, they're actually making the sanitizer because, you know, they know what they're doing, uh, which I think is a kind of important part of the whole sanitizer concept. Um, you know, if I'm using sanitizer, I want to make sure the people that made it knew what they were doing. Uh, but maybe that's just me. No, um, it makes, makes perfect sense. So that's what we did. Like we know how to make alcohol. And so we did. And, but we don't have, we don't have a supply chain for all the other ingredients. We don't have a distribution network for all, you know, for the product. We don't know what we're doing. So we made the, we made, we did what we know how to do, gave it to them. Uh, and then they gave us sanitizer back and we donated all that sanitizer to, uh, St. Francis Hospital and to the Evanston police. That's awesome. That's, um, that's yeah. really, really cool. You know, we're not trying to make money on this. Right? We're losing our ass making sanitizer because you know, we're giving it away. Um, really bad business, just as a pro tip. Uh, making stuff and giving money for free is bad business. Uh, but uh, we're trying to do our part. And it's not much. And 
you know, if the world really relies on a small distillery at the end of the alley to save it, uh, it's probably too far gone to be saved. Uh, but I think we could do a little bit. And I think we could do, I think we can try to give back and we can try to do that little bit that we do know how to do. And hopefully it makes the world just a little bit better. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think we're heroes. We're not heroes or anything. I'm not, I'm not looking for a award. I'm just, we're trying to do what we can to make uh, Evanston a little bit of a better place. Sure. It's kind of, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. We were looking at that and I was actually thinking just because it's, it's interesting from almost like a logistical standpoint, because you read these articles about, oh, okay, you know, this company's going to try to make respirators now, or this country, yeah. this company's going to try to produce masks instead of, you know, like new eras going to be making, you know, masks instead of baseball uniforms, et cetera, or, um, things like that. And I, you know, so I, I was just kind of curious, just, I mean, what is in that situation? So you're one of these situations where, again, like you said, I mean, you're not Ford making bombers in world war two, but I mean, like you're doing your part and you have the ability to look at a situation and be like, you know, we have the equipment here to, to provide something that provides a positive service here. So how do you do that? I mean, again, like I, I don't know, where does that go where you're like, okay, so how do you have to configure to be like, okay, so now we're going to make ethanol here. Like what, what is that? Like, what was the change that you guys had to do, you know, to, to make that, to produce that? Well, to make the ethanol is actually really, you know, it sounds like it's simple, but it's really not uh, because our equipment really doesn't do that. You know, our equipment makes whiskey. It doesn't make ethanol. Mm -hmm. um, and, Really, what it took was a relaxation of the rules um, for the recipe to, for us to even get it. Uh, when all this, whatever you want, whenever this stuff started going down, uh, you had all these people that were making sanitizer that wasn't sanitizing um, because nobody, you know, again, we make whiskey, we don't know how to make, we don't know how to make it, and so then people that do know how to make sanitizer came out and said, okay, well, here's how you make it, and here's the recipe. And one of the ingredients is ethanol, but the ethanol has to be above 194 proof. It has to start off above 194. And I'm like, okay, well, there's how you make it, I guess, but my gear will not go to 194. Uh, I cannot make that product. Uh, it's not physically possible with my equipment. So I'm like, okay, well, we, we can't do that because my gear won't do it. And so then they loosened that rule to a little bit lower. I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. Well, I still can't do it. Uh, then finally they said, okay, it only has to be at the end, it has to be 80%. I'm like, okay, at the end, 80% I can do. Because we can run our stills to about 83%-ish. Um, and that's as high as they'll go. Uh, and so once they, once they loosened it up that they only cared about the final uh, alcohol content, we're like, okay, we can actually do that. And so we did. And you know, right around that time, we got approached by the, our friends uh, over at Meliora Cleaning Products uh, down kind of the uh, Chicago Manufacturing District. And like, hey, we make sanitizer, but we can't get any ethanol. Uh, do you guys have any ethanol for us? And we're like, yes, we do. <laughs> and so uh, all of a sudden we uh, went into a fear, you know, quickly ran around trying to figure out if we even could make it. Um, and turns out we could. So he made some ethanol, delivered it to them. Uh, they then delivered to us, uh, some sanitizer. We donated all of it away. Uh, people went nuts. And so we gave them another round of ethanol, I think last Friday. And then another round, I think went out today. Um, and I think that'll be it. I, I, I do think very shortly. Uh, the people that actually make sanitizer will, you know, get their networks and gear and they'll have enough. Um, I don't, I think that this craze ends very soon for the, the sanitizer craze, not the pandemic. I should be clear. Right, right, right. Still though, uh, again, and it's like not, not to, to heap laurels, but I mean, it's true that you're like, this situation's not good for anyone's business. And, uh, again, it's like kudos to you for, dealing with that and then doing this on top of that. It's, it's awesome. Like it's, it's great that you did it. It's no, we're, great. Work. We're, we're trying, you know, we can't, I don't know how to make masks, but uh, people make masks and 
I don't really understand that whole mask thing either. I get, I guess, but you know, I don't know. I'm a, I make whiskey. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an infectious disease specialist. I get people drunk. It's, it's <laughs> what I do. Which, you know, th- these days is actually really important. Right. Um, so what, what else do you, are, are you kind of working on as far as like anything new coming down the pike or, um, something you're kind of ch- shifting your focus to? I, mean, I think we're always trying to innovate new, new, do cool stuff. Um, you know, none of us work at a distillery to make money. We all do it because we love it. And so part of doing something because you love it is you get to do the stuff that you love to do. And so we love to make new shit because it's fun. So there's, I mean, there's always stuff we're working on. Uh, we had one new product that was supposed to come out September 1st. Um, we're still kind of planning on releasing it for September 1st. But, you know, we don't really know if, you know, will there be a world left to deliver it to? We don't know yet. Um, so we're kind of doing that. Right now, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to stay afloat and, you know, trying to figure out how we can get people, you know, how can we get people to order our stuff at bars when they reopen? How can we get people to grab our stuff off the shelf at Binnie's or, at D&D Foods or at Schaefer's or the Wine Goddess or uh, Jewels. You know, how could I get somebody to take that bottle off the shelf um, and try to help keep us afloat for another for another week? Because um, it's 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 not good out there. Sure, makes makes perfect sense. And again, it's like if there's, but you know, you guys you guys took down Francis Willard. You can, you can, you can power through this. No, we're, we'll survive. Um, it'll look very different when we do survive, but, uh, uh, we're, you know, again, we're trying to figure it out. What's, what does the new normal look like? How, how will we, how will we get access to the marketplace in the new normal? What, what are people going to want in the new normal? Will people still want, will people still want what we sell when the, in the new normal? I don't, I don't know. Um, I think so. And I think if anything, they're going to want it even more. Uh, but you know, who knows? No, no one knows what the world's going to look like in a month. And I think that's really weird. And you know, even like talking with my kids, um, they don't understand that nothing like this has ever happened ever. At least not, not in my life. And you can't even really compare it to a lot of other stuff. I don't think where the world fell off of, fell off the wagon in what a month two months yeah depending depending on how you measure it where you start you know things went from fine to holy fucking shit in nothing flat um well not not, not to end on a downer yeah. but uh <laughs> you know we de- definitely um you know at as, as we're hoping to you know have have our tailgate firing back yep. up for football in the fall well, um, I mean, we're, we're sponsoring too by the way i'm going to we're we'll bringing you guys some booze so you can uh, make sure you enjoy the tailgates uh, in proper fashion. Oh, we we definitely appreciate that, and I know our, our listeners will too. But uh, um, th- thanks for taking the time to jump on with us tonight. Um, you know, we really appreciate it. And uh, uh, tell folks where to find you. Oh, you can find us at nine eighteen Chicago Avenue. Uh, well, not right now, uh, but in general, nine eighteen Chicago Avenue. You can find us on the social medias at Few Spirits across all the social medias. Uh, you can find us at retail across 50 states and 35 countries. Um, you know, we're all over the world, so you can always stay in touch, not just with your hometown cats, uh, but with your hometown distillery, too. I, I did not realize you were in 35 countries. That's fantastic. Uh, we uh, Few is the number, uh, number one selling craft rye in the world for folks that make their own, and we're the number two selling craft bourbon uh, in the world for people that make their own. Um, few has been able to grow pretty uh, pretty substantially over the last couple of years, uh, and all of this uh, is coming out of a small alley uh, in in Evanston, right across from Crossroads, uh, where everybody goes to get their euros. Um, you know, just one world's best flavored whiskey for a cold cut, uh, double gold for our rye whiskey at San Francisco. Um, yeah, we we are out there, and you can find us wherever you are in the world. That's for sure. That's awesome. Well, 
Scuzz is is marking down all the dates he's going to get to Northwestern home games. <laughs> as as we speak, Scuzz is already like working his calendar. There you go. Come uh, go go, cats, and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll make sure you get taken care of, Scuzz. Oh, well, once again, Paul Letgo uh, with Few Spirits. Um, awesome, awesome uh, thing that they're doing, get, making sanitizer for yeah, EPD in the hospital. Um, that, that's really, really cool, but check out their stuff. If you, if you haven't had it before, it's definitely worth checking out. You know, obviously like they're winning awards for the stuff they're doing and you know, such, such good stuff. I like, while we were talking to him, I finished my bottle of rye. So I, I, I need to go out and get a little bit more myself. Well, and this is, this was obviously very out of the norm for us, right? Like, like Paul doesn't have a lot of connection to Northwestern sports, um, you know, obviously his distillery has some connection with Western and, and more importantly, like Evanston and, and being in, you know, a small business, a very noticeable, notable one in Evanston. We thought this was a really cool opportunity and just a really cool conversation to have. Um, obviously as, as whiskey, um, I'm not going to call us aficionados, but, uh, as, as, as whiskey enthusiasts, um, this was really, really entertaining. And, um, yeah, man. Like I'm, I'm ready to, uh, I'm ready to sing some Irish whiskey songs and uh, refill my glass for the third time. Like, let's go. Yeah. During during that interview, I was about ready to ask you to do your impression of the Scott, that Scottish guy from the Shivas tastings. <laughs> I, I I almost broke in, but I, I, if you want to do it now, now would be the time to do it. I, but what was <laughs> what was his last name? That's my I don't only. Know. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> I'm Jeremy, blah blah blah, and I get paid to drink whiskey. That's uh, a terrible, a terrible uh, version of a Scottish accent, but um, it's the best I've got it. at eleven thirty Eastern time on a on a Thursday after a marathon week, doing my full time job and raising my three children simultaneously. Yeah, and, and again, like we said, this one's it's this is you know out of character for us. I mean, first of all, it's rare that this time of year we'll do a second podcast in a week, anyway, but. This was just fun. It was a great opportunity for us to be able to do. Um, and as an aside from me, again, who I would say is I have the least amount of, of whiskey slash beer expertise of this trio. One thing that's always really impressed me about our tailgate, which I can't stress enough, these two gentlemen who do this pod with me and their associated friends and our associated friends, Dan, etc., um, are are the ones who are the genesis of this. I've always just been super impressed. Like our, our uh, tailgate is kind of tailgate where people show up and then like open the cooler to see what awesome stuff people have brought and then go through and are like, Oh man, check this out. I haven't had this in a while, etc." Now, normally that's from a perspective of beer, but just the, the thought that now we're going to have hopefully, you know, a selection of, you know, some of fuse, distilleries awesome products here where we can look and be like oh now try this and try this and try this it's just it's just really cool and it's very it's very much in the spirit literally and figuratively of um what you know what goes on at our tailgates i'm just stoked for it in the early days of the tailgate um uh, our friend joe would bring a literal bin full of liquor (laughs) um that was i mean it was basically his his personal stash that he would you know serve up for parties or whatever um and i won't lie there were some questionable choices in there and uh there will be no questionable choices on the table uh, this this fall there will be no anguish and regret (laughs) (laughs) well um you know if you thought this one was a little bit out of the ordinary next week is our uh, annual live (laughs) draft pod um, you know, Man, got... we're on we're on floor on full tilt these uh, these couple <laughs> weeks here, aren't we? I mean, if, if if there's a time to go off the rail, now is the time to do it. So um, live draft, live NFL draft pod with our buddies at Winning Cures Everything. It's it's going to be great. Um, yeah, I, I think we're actually going to be live streaming it. Yep. Um, you know, check out uh, our our social media. We'll we'll pl- we'll plug that and you know where we're going to be. Uh, to, you know, if you want to listen live, which, you know, we don't normally do. And normally I, I do a little bit of editing before we uh, get this thing up and live. But uh, I, I think I think that that is going to be on uh, 
on broadcast as well. I mean, the live audio, live video as well. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm going to need to take so, a shower before that. Anyway. So, so gear up, folks. <laughs> So that's going to be next Thursday. Um, we will have much more information on our uh, on our Twitter feed, so make sure you're following that at Westlaw Pirates. Um, and we, def- I mean, this the draft pod is one of my favorite pods that we do all year. It's just it's just good times and a lot of fun. And you know, this year is going to be really really interesting as far as the draft goes. You know, starting to hear rumors of you know trades that may or may not be happening obviously it's lying season so uh sorry scuzz you're not getting odell beckham jr for uh, for a song <laughs> yeah um yeah the, the 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 rumor yesterday that our our uh our cleveland fan friend chris giannini um of winning cures everything was freaking out about was the Vikings basically fleecing the Browns for for Odell. I'm just as glad that's not happening. I don't I don't know how well that um, I don't know how well he and Mike Zimmer would have gotten along. To be frank, <laughs> I just I just want to say you know this is this is going to be a completely internet driven NFL draft experience. Oh yeah, and yeah. and previously the internet has delivered us Laramie Tunsil with a gas mask on smoking weed <laughs> within minutes of the start of the draft. I'm just saying anything is possible here. Oh, the, the whole, the whole like Mike Tice forgets to turn in the card in time for his draft slot and two teams, you know, go ahead of him, um, picking people. That is, that is a hundred percent in play for this, for this draft with, with, you know, the NFL owners and, and teams being remote as well. The entertainment factor on this one is going to be very high. So, uh, if you want to tune in live, you know, we'll have the information on that as soon as we get it. Um, otherwise, you know, come back next week and we'll have all of the audio in its unadulterated glory. So, uh, it's going to be good times. And, uh, we'll go ahead and leave it there for this week. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates. And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West Lot of Brian Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.